something to your something. It's the No Class Podcast with your hosts Eddie and Matt. Party on, Matt! Right on, dude. So, what do we want to start out with? The longest of cons. The long con. I will. So, excitement is building, and uh, really excited that just in the apparently everybody else is exploded with excitement recently too because we've had um, some new vendors uh, come forward and and things come to fruition in that regard and then also we have all these cool special guests that are coming now before you start that list yeah this sunday 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 which will be october the 4th for those Mm -hmm. people listening now and those people listening in the future you're just out of luck yeah registration for october at one o'clock october what is the date this sunday the 4th. The 4th. May the 4th be with you. October 4th at 1 p.m. Yep. Be there or be square. Yep. You beat me to it. So that'll be fun. You know, uh, hopefully, you know, there'll be some great games listed and you can get into one of those games or post your own game and between now and then, hopefully, put forward. So we'll see. Um, I am optimistic. And woohoo, special guest. We've got Gary Oliver. The number one most important guest. Exactly. He's been our special guest for whatever. Um, but he's just too... He's been on our get list. Exactly. The, we could, the guy you couldn't get. He's just that awesome. And Doug Reeb, Bad Mike, Chris Clark, Harold Johnson, and Diesel LaForce, which is both a vendor and a special guest. He's got some really neat artwork and uh, statuary and whatnot that's really neat. We're excited about Chris Clark is too. Yeah, no, Chris Clark is Inner City Games. Yeah, Inner City Games. He's produced a number of interesting games. We played one of the most fun games we ever had at NTRPG with Chris before we even knew who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, No offense, Chris, but you were a great game master and that was just a different kind of game, but I mean that in the best sort of way. It was really neat. It was a neat experience. Well, I mean, we've talked about it how many times? One million. Yeah. There's only a few games that we actually talk about that we played on this cast, and that's one of the one of them that we yeah. talk about I mean, over and it, over. It really stuck with us. So bravo, Mr. Clark. So anyway, uh, so yeah, I mean, he's really excited. We'll get some signups uh, for games uh, going Sunday. Con's going to be here before you know it. We've got a really neat, that same cool venue we had last year. So it's really exciting. We've got a ton of space. Yeah, we're going to be able to, and that's the thing I'll say is, you know, being the knucklehead that I am, not too long ago, I went to what was like the hotspot state, Florida, in Miami, the hottest burning ember, like don't go there. But we wore our masks, we used good hand hygiene, we socially distanced, we used alcohol gel like a crackhead with, with OCD, you know. And guess what? What? We didn't get COVID-19. So it's just so far. Use the use the safety measures that have been put in place. Use your intelligence, be diligent, and you should be safe. And we're going to have all those things in place. All, we're going to mass available hand sanitizer out the wazoo. We've actually got medical staff on hand. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, no expense has been spared. Exactly. And I'm smacking again, damn it. But anyway. But don't worry, I'm not editing that out. This is all raw and uncensored today because Uh-oh. we've had a demand to get out a new episode. Yes. One of our three listeners was like, where's the next podcast? Well, speaking of our fourth listener... <gasps> Since I get to actually see the insights and everything, if you're listening out there, Ace, yeah, hey, thanks for listening. <laughs> drop us some feedback. Yeah. Do you know how to drop feedback? 
How's that? How would you tell somebody how to drop well, us some feedback? The uh, No Class RPG Podcast at gmail.com. Right. Or on our Facebook. Right. Or on the SoundCloud or wherever you're listening to this. Yeah, exactly. And we do look at this stuff and we would absolutely love feedback. Or if you've got, I want to te- hear you two chuckleheads talk about Aunt Sadie's goat. Well, okay. We have know. to find a way to tie it into role playing. Yeah. So it may be role playing as Aunt Sadie's goat. Yeah, role playing or nerd culture or whatever, you know. Her goat's got a cool mohawk and, you know, he's been known to eat die 20s or something. Anyway, so yeah, give us feedback, you know, tell us how much we suck, whatever, you know, we really love that. And uh, one more on the long con in case, unless you've got something else, is I will mention that our much rumored coffee vendor seems like they're coming in. Oh, awesome. We got to enjoy his coffee at NTRPG and it was really good. Cold brew is kick butt. I think that's the warlock. I drink, I hurt myself, my heart. Oh, we should have a (laughs) cupcake vendor too. What? So you ought to be snacking pretty well at the long con this year. Snack a lacking. Wow. I'm going to snack it up. <laughs> Three days of cupcakes and fancy coffee. I'm going to fall over dead by Sunday. But well, if you yeah. have any problems with a con, you can whip a cupcake at Matt's head. Please do. You know, I'll, you know, <laughs> on the fly. All right. So that's enough. Of, what? About the long con? So pop culture. Pop culture. You got anything? Oh, do I ever. Where do you want to start at? How about books? Books, okay. comic go, books, etc. Go with books. All right. Things that fold. Yeah, exactly. I'll let you start with that, sir. Man, I have almost no notes for this. Oh, wow. So I have read some comics. Mm-hmm. The things that stick out in my brain right now are Transformers versus Terminator. That was a four-issue series. It was pretty interesting. I'd say check it out. Uh, the Boys, Dear Becky. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not the biggest fan of The Boys comics. Oh, wow. But for some reason, I keep reading them. All and right. that's about it. All right. That's well, all for books and comics from, from me this time. What do you got? All right. So I, we need to change topics. No, no. I recently was not comics, but a book as I recently broke down and bought. I'd seen it somewhere, and it's a, it's a Gamble World novel written by Mel Odom called Sooner Dead. But I've just started reading it. But I'll, I'll tell you all more about it later. Oh, my. Yeah. So there's that. All right. Okay. How about TV, movies, any of that? Oh, absolutely. So we've had a <clears throat> extra week since our last, uh, you know, podcast. So I've had ample time to, you know, watch some shows. So first of all, I think we'd mentioned this recently was Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. So I went back to rewatch it and it's still a classic. Of I love course. that movie, you know. Um, and uh, it's got, you know, a, a good hero. Uh, it's got a uh, a great villain in Mayax, which was played by our, our Texas's own Rip Torn. He's not he's from not far from here. It was where he was born and raised. Um, but anyway, I enjoyed it. It's still a great movie. It holds up over time. And one thing I liked was they didn't spoon feed you about you know the fact that Dar has this connection with animals. Mm-hmm. Oh geez, I wonder how he got that. Well, yeah, when they use that spell and put him in the gut of a cow. You know, I you guess we can assume that's how he got these beast lured communication powers or something. I mean, you, they don't ever really explain that. Like, how do you get these powers? Uh, don't weird, worry about it. Yeah, a weird spell put him in the gut of a cow as an infant, and there was his bond with animals. You know, anyway, great, great, great movie. Love it. 
Um, and then also I've been wa watching and rewatching the Dungeons and Dragon cartoons from 83. Um, and boy, <laughs> you know, you look back through that nostalgic lens mm -hmm. of childhood, you know, and, and you're like, oh boy, those were so great. And then the first few I thought, wow, the animation really mm -hmm. oh, wasn't yeah. that great. Um, and it really, a lot of it, like a lot of this stuff is toy tie-ins. Tie you didn't realize that. Like with, you know, you figure around that time you had uh, uh, Transformers, G.I. Joe. Those were obvious, but actually there were a number of toys made like War Duke um, and uh, Lionheart or whatever, you know, the Paladin. Well, unless you know the answer to this off the top of your head, mm -hmm. why didn't they make the main cast? Exactly. Isn't that just crazy? I wonder if that was something with the rights. Like, uh, do you remember who made, since you've been watching that a lot, who made the D&D &D cartoon? Now, this might blow your mind. Okay, you know who was involved with, wasn't it Transformers, G.I. Joe? Wasn't that Sunbow? Marvel? But Sunbow, Marvel. Marvel. Marvel was I involved so. with this, too. And so, yeah, doing some research, I found out it's interesting that Marvel owns all these old tunes except D&D. &D. And I don't know how or why they lost the rights to that one. But they still have the rights to Transformers and G.I. Joe or whatever, as I, from what I read somewhere. Well, this is where it gets really out there. Is I was actually just watching something about that the other day about uh, Marvel's, uh, the, I'm trying to think what it was, but it was like Marvel Animation Studio mm -hmm. was not originally part of Marvel. They were mm -hmm. some other company and they yeah. got bought by them and the original, whoever, what the, whatever the original name of the Marvel Animation Studio was, is they hated Marvel and they thought they were better than Marvel and they didn't want Marvel to tell them how to do their cartoons. Mm -hmm. So there was a massive rivalry in there and at some point there could have been like, well, since this hasn't hit yet, we own that and you own this. Oh, wow. So that, see, I love that. That's really interesting. Um, so th back to the show, the first few, which is sad, kind of lead with your best material. The first few really I didn't like, but the more I watched it, there are some really great stories in there. And there, there was, you know, I mean, I really got into them more and enjoyed them more and it brought me back in. So, I mean, overall, they really pretty good and i even think that you would never see a show like that ever again yeah. and which i think is a bad thing but so here's you probably know this but you know who does vingers avengers voice Avenger. peter cullen the guy who did optimus prime never heard of him yeah so yeah the old good old optimus like as soon as i heard the voice because i've heard it years but you know but i'm like wait a minute that sounds like optimus prime i did a quick google yeah the other one peter that he cullen. does that's an obvious one where you're like oh yeah is voltron yeah Loved by good, feared by evil. Yeah. So, so been uh, watching that. Also, it's not so much geek culture, but still just being who I am. I watched, as you know, Tales from the Tour Bus that you recommended. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I loved it. At least I've watched the first season. It was really great. The second season's pretty good, too. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. So, it, anyway, I don't know. I want to be brief, but it's just funny. Watching it, what was great for me was it brought back growing up in the country and the way I grew up and some of the things that go on on the, the show with these good old boys and country folk or whatever. Like driving your lawnmower down to the liquor store. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, I can remember there were these little honky-tonk, hole-in-the-wall, awful bars all along Highway 1 near where I grew up. And then people, kind of like a bar crawl, but you could go to one, get run out, drive a few miles to the next one. Now, you shouldn't be driving because you're under the influence. Not me. These are other people. But anyway, I remember being at one of these bars one night, and a, a fight broke out, and a guy pulled a pistol on the other guy. And the guy, I remember, they called him Caddo, you know, which this is near Caddo Lake, Caddo Parish, you know. 
And uh, but I remember I was like, "Are we going to call the cops?" And they're like, "Oh no, they're just Ocado mm-hmm. pulling his pistol when he gets pissed off at somebody in the in the bar." I'm like, you know, you just wouldn't see that sort of thing nowadays. You know, this was like in the '80s. But anyway, I, just another quick from that tales from the tour bus. I like the fellow that was worried that Waylon Jennings was taking too many pills, so he introduced him to cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a better alternative. And then um, anyway, well. Okay, to interrupt you and cut yeah, in on one of mine please. is I can't remember what the guy's name was. You've seen it more recently than me, but he he was a famous songwriter, but he wasn't the one that was really like a known name where you'd be like, oh yeah, he used to sing this, but yeah, he yeah. wrote a bunch of those songs. Yeah, Billy, um, oh, you're killing me, but... But it, yeah. the, they had like pulled a gun on him. Yeah. And they were like, well, once he pulled a gun, why didn't you run? And he's like, I ain't no chicken shit. I'm a Texan. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the guy like cut half his hand off in a, a lumber mill or something when he was young. And yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's interesting to see where some of these guys came from very humble, simple, backwoods beginnings like Waylon did. Was, this guy yeah, did. think about it. Yeah, but that kills me because if it's Billy something, I can't think of it. I feel bad because it's on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, he was an interesting character. Absolutely. It's full of interesting characters. No, definitely. I would say even if, even if country music doesn't interest you at all, just still, I'm telling you, this really was really interesting. And, and season two is funk, yeah. funk music. So, Which, hey, I love. But either way, funky. if you like the music or you don't like the music, the stories are really, really good. James yeah. Brown. There's a bunch of episodes that just spin out of him and Prince and Rick James. Mm-hmm. I'm Rick James, B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I'll finish this out. So everybody that's listened to this for any little bit knows I love most anything post-apocalyptic, and. But being that person, it's like being not a completist like this cat, but there's some of these movies I hear about like through the years, like you haven't watched so-and-so and you say you're a post-apocalypse guy. So when I finally walked, broke down in fact, but it's hard to come by these movies until now. There's so many streamers and services and bootleg avenues to find this stuff now, but hell comes to frog town. So it was uh, rowdy. Yeah. With rowdy, Roddy Piper. And Sandal Bergman's crowning achievement in cinema. Ooh. <laughs> um, but, you know, while I was doing some research for this, I found out that she got a Golden Globe for her part in Conan. Did you know that? No, she, I did not know that. I didn't either. I was like, no way. She got a Golden Globe for her part in Conan. But anyway, but she's in this, and oh, God, it's atrocious. It's But it's kind of the ones we talk about. Some are just so bad, stay away. And some are so bad, it's good. This walks that line. Your mileage may vary, but... I mean, the acting is terrible. The writing is terrible. Um, but, I, but I, you know, try to find the good, the silver lining. The effects, especially for the 80s, for the frog mutants, they look phenomenal. Like the leader guy, like his eyes looked like a frog's and moved when he's talking and the way his mouth worked, it didn't look real. Mecha- I mean, it, it was really good effects on the frog mm-hmm. mutant people and some of like the vehicle they had that, or whatever. But, I mean, oh, but it's it's awful. It's terrible. But anyway, that's what I've been up to. Okay. Well, let me get in one show while I'm thinking about it. Sure. Dragon's Dogma. Hmm. So, a lot of the, I guess, uh, video game properties have been turning over into being animes as well. Ah. So, this one's six episodes long. It's that fantasy setting. It's really pretty cool. I'd say check it out. If you liked the Castlevania anime cartoon, mm-hmm. I would definitely say check it out. And we're not in the video game section, but it's a pretty good video game, too. It's almost like a Dark Souls meets Monster Hunter. Oh, that's definitely your jam. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those ones that 
we've been talking about this a lot. Like the game is really hard in the first hour or 10 hours. And then you come into your own and you're like, I'm somebody. But if you can get through that intro, that really difficult start of the game, Mm -hmm. very good game, very good series. It's short. Check it out. What's the name one more time? Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma. Hey, cool name. So yeah, I think good. that was a PlayStation, an early PlayStation Three game. Oh. So they've definitely sat back and let that one brew for a while. I want to say it's like ten years because they're now talking about doing a sequel. Oh wow! And it, yeah, so some of those things you age them like fine wine, but we'll see. Yeah. So you alluding to video games? Yep. You know what I'm going to talk about. So what do you want to talk about? Um, I, nothing creature of habit. I'm well, okay. So I, uh, um, I just, uh, uh, oh, I've been playing of course still for honor here and there. It's just a great way to blow steam after a long day's work. Mm-hmm. Getting there a couple fights, knocks people's heads off. It's yeah. We're fun. still playing for honor for those yeah. keeping track. It says something. Yeah. And then, um, but I downloaded light and dark. It's like a post apoc sort of, uh, zombie world. It's an open world sandboxy kind of it sounds like multiplayer i haven't tried it yet but i'll let y'all know next time and also download what was it pillars of eternity Mm because i've heard really good things about that and i tend to try that out as well yeah and that's sort of like you were saying earlier the spiritual successor of all the old what was it bioware yeah baldur's gate stuff and all that i love those games man so yeah if you liked those i would definitely check it out pillars of eternity and i'm trying to think if that if the second Pillars of Eternity has come out yet, or it's about to come out. Now, are these the guys that are about to do, like, they got the rights to do, I think so. like, the new Baldur's Gate yeah. 3 or something? Yeah. So, obviously, someone felt that these guys yeah. yeah, had the DNA or whatever, you know, to do it, so. Well, I've been playing a lot of No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. Really, just a ton of stuff to do. I keep finding new stuff to do, and this is, like, my third playthrough, if you want to say that. Wow. So it's kind of Minecrafty. It is what you make of it. But if you played it earlier, it actually has missions now. You can go and get missions if you need somebody to tell you what to do in the sandbox world. So really cool. Probably dirt cheap right now. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't checked it out, do check it out. If you played it before, come back and play it again. Because I remember I used to do that with Minecraft updates too. Like every so often, there'd be a big update and you'd go, oh yeah, let me go and see all the, play all the new content. So there's definitely a ton of new content stuff for you to play. And this sounds like I said, one of those kind of games where if you don't like this, we'll go do that. If you don't like that, I mean, so you could, you could find your fun or amusement in this game and it'd be different from every three other, four other people, their enjoyment. But I'll go ahead and put you on the spot and say, Matt did not find his enjoyment. Well, and I will say to Eddie's credit, he had handed me the disc and said, whatever you do, do not play this by yourself. And one night to start, yeah, I went to join him and go to his world's lobby or whatever, and it wouldn't connect. But I realized PlayStation was lying. He wasn't really on. And I thought, eh, what'll it hurt? I'll go play for 30 minutes or an hour. Oh, my. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was not uh, a fun experience. But then when he came back and joined me later, we had fun, you know. But if, if anything, I could see where if you want a game that you can really sink your teeth into and can really, I don't want to use a derogatory term, like some people might say time sink is derogatory. But this is a, a game that really, I think, to get some momentum in it, you've got to dedicate some time to it. Is that a true statement or not? It depends on what you want to get out of it. Exactly. But like we've said a lot of times, it's like, well, there's a difficult first hour or there's a really boring tutorial hour to get through. This mm-hmm. is one that has a pretty difficult first hour. But then after that, 
once you can actually get in your ship and fly around, boom, it changes. It opens up the game. And I will say that was the most fun I had was when I got in my ship and I was zooming between systems and blasting asteroids. That was the most fun. I, and I, that was enjoyable because at one point you're like, hey, are you going to come join this world? Well, I will in a minute, but right now I'm blasting asteroids and harvesting theridium or whatever, you know. But it's not like some games where, like, I need you to come do this raid with me. Yeah. After I got you through that, like, first hour, mm-hmm. once you're on your feet, you're good. You don't ever have to group up again. Yeah. Well, but you I, could. I, I could see that, but you can, because, like, it really sounds neat where, like, one guy might, like, I've got a freighter full of precious cargo. You guys fly the fighter ships and run convoy with me through the blockade of space pirates or whatever. Like, that sounds pretty sexy. Well, the other thing is that I was telling you about earlier is that I found a derelict freighter. So it's kind of like you stumble across aliens. So you come in there and you're like, what happened to the crew? Dun, dun, and there's ooh, creepy stuff going on, which is something that's relatively new that they've added in. And I wonder if you could team up on that, because that probably would have been pretty useful. And that would be more like a dungeon instance it, in some it, other game. Yeah, it's like an instance dungeon, it seemed like. So that's pretty cool. Now, that, that, don't get me wrong, there's aspects of the game that sound really good. you know. All right. I think that is it for the pulp culture. Oh, my opening section of this oh wow agreed yes all right so with that we move on to today's topic which is <laughs> villains okay and villainy okay well you're the expert on this huh. well okay so it's something that i think we'd mentioned in a podcast a while back like probably the villain doesn't think they're a villain Sometimes, right. Right, right. And so it's like many many of these villains don't see themselves as villains. Um, so just jumping right in, and we didn't really compare notes too much on this topic. So yeah, I have my spin on it, and mm-hmm. Matt's probably got his spin on it, so yeah, we'll see what yeah. this ends up with. So I was like, we didn't say, well, let's go like specifically in literature, or specifically comics, or spe- specifically movies. But it's kind of one of those things where I thought, well, just to have that. It's like some of these come from comics and literature, but they've also been in movies, too. So it, you could say these are all. In, but they really don't get their due in movies a lot of times. So leading off with one of my all-time favorite villains, mm-hmm. Dr. Doom. You're darn right. I love Dr. Doom. First of all, Stanley and Jack Kirby you know, were the geniuses behind his character. And kind of what set Marvel apart. You know, early on is how rich some of their heroes are, but it's also how rich their villains can be with their backstory. And they, you find some way to be sympathetic to their plight, even though they're really not, you know, good guys. And so, like the story, um, but you know, talking about Doom, like he's got super armor, he's got dark sorcery, he's got psionics, um, he has diplomatic immunity. <laughs> Sometimes the greatest superpower of all, because um, he's from Latveria, you know, that's his country where he's the uh, tyrant. Despo, whatever, but he's got a rival grudge with Reed Richards and Ben Grimm. And as a kid, my favorite favorite comic was Fantastic Four, so that probably helped, you know, the whole thing about liking Doom because he's obviously a reoccurring character. But I mean, yeah, on top of I don't know if I mentioned it, yeah, he's a yeah, he's a super genius to boot, you know, almost rival. You know, Richards, that's his a super genius as well. So just really a neat character. But like, as you find out if you were into the story, Ben Grimm. And Reed both went to college with him. And so it turns out Ben Grimm sabotaged the equipment that blew up in uh, his face and it disfigured him or whatever, you know. I read that somewhere. 
Okay. Yeah, I read that. Well, do, do your own Google research, but when I was doing my I Google. I will. Okay. But anyway, it's like, but it seemed like Ben never told him that, or maybe never even told anybody that. But in somewhere it came out that, you know, anyway, there's that. But Reed had warned uh, Victor Von Doom, you know, he's like, hey, you better watch it. I, some of the computations on your ghost talking machine, because he wanted to talk with his dead mother, who was like a gypsy or whatever. And basically the thing blew up in his face and he blamed Richards. But yeah, but it's interesting, like the, the sympathetic plight again of, of who is really a bad villain, that his, his parents were gypsies and his mother is the one that, uh, you know, taught him, you know, dark magic or whatever or something, or he found her stuff after she died. But yeah, like his family was prosecuted and, you know, da, 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 da. So it's interesting that, you know, as much as he's a bad guy, if you get into his backstory, you know, I mean... You could you could see the path he went down, you know, that sort of thing. So what would you add to that, sir? So Matt's talking about favorite villain and I just want to tie it into role playing. Well there's that too. Is yeah. to what makes this like if this was the big bad evil guy in your campaign, mm-hmm. what's cool about it or what can you take from it? Yeah. Is that in Doom's own mind, he's the hero. Mm-hmm. In Doom's country, he's mm-hmm. the hero. Because mm-hmm. he's keeping out, you know, the imperial invaders and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, he rose from nothing to something, and he is motivated by trying to rescue his dead mother's soul from hell, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good motivation. Yeah. And so that you can see, well, that's a good thing, right? So, yeah, I mean, he's a villain, but give him those touches. The best villains will be those ones that, oh, they're a bad guy. But give him that one thing, like, you know, what are their goals? What are their fears? Uh, uh, you know, what's their, what's their soft spot or weakness, you know? He has a code. I was going to say, he has his own code, his own code of honor, if you mm-hmm. will, because there's times where he could have exploited some advantage, but it would be dishonorable or it'd be beneath him. And a lot of these guys are egotistical, you know, self-absorbed. And, you know, um, and that's what we're going to say, tying it into role-playing. So a lot of these villains have their own track, their own goals, but it's when they interact with the players and the players stymie one of their schemes that might put aside their overall goal, like I've got time for that, to focus on trying to harry the the players or get revenge like how dare you you know and it can be a good recurring villain instead of the one guy that you just he shows up and you kill him and you move on right yeah because that gets kind of old and i will say one of the neat things they did in um the adventures league was there's a, a character you fight that you're not supposed to win the encounter it's really built for you to fail and then you're going to be kind of irked as players and you're used to just running roughshod over enemies and then she shows up two adventures later. You're more powerful. You've leveled. You've got new spells and hit points and abilities. And here's your chance to uh, uh, to finally, you know, get even with her or whatever, you know. And so that, yeah. So it's and, and players are going to relish that, you know, that like, yeah, we got a chance to pay her back, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Don't these like a lot of these guys aren't one shots. They show up. They reoccur. They're a little. And notice with the backstory between Victor Von Doom and Reed Richards, they have a history together. You know, that makes it interesting. So, exactly, like, as in all things we talk about nerd culture, but a lot of our focus is gaming, you can look at how these are written and how they're portrayed to give you fodder ideas for role-playing. Yeah, so anyway. Yep, and one more thing that I would add in here is that both the successes and the failures of your villains help to build them. So if Dr. Doom hadn't had his machine blow up in his face, mm-hmm. he would have never put on the suit of armor. He wouldn't have been, I'm so hideously disfigured now, I'm going to wear the mask. And you know the story about the mask, right? 
that basically it hadn't cooled yet. And they're like, but my Lord, oh, yeah. and he goes, no, bring it. And he sticks the still. So like it bonded, you know, seared onto his face. It's well, hardcore. The thing about doom too, is that he kind of has multiple choice beginnings. Like they always say with the Joker now. Mm-hmm. So are these stories true or are they not? Is doom doom? Is he a doom bot? Mm-hmm. Is he the kid Christopher who is kind of like doom had downloaded his brain into him? So, I mean, there's so many different variations. And like you said, oh, it was Ben Grimm that rigged it to blow up. And a lot of them, uh, what is uh, the Mephisto? Mm-hmm. I think that's the Marvel version of the devil. Right. There's ones where he takes credit for it. That's like, oh, yeah, I let it work enough for you to get in, get your face in, and then I blew it up in your face oh, wow. to kind of rub it in and kind of set you on this path. Mm-hmm. So is there an e- even bigger big, bad, evil guy that's driving your storyline evil guy. That's another thing that you can take into and weave into your villain wheels within wheels. So that's a lot of times as a game master, if you, you know, grasp onto that term wheels within wheels. And if there's these whole Machiavellian plots, they're like an onion that your players are peeling off layers. So they're really going to dig that. Um, so who would you, I'll I'll punt to you. So go ahead. I didn't do a top 10 or anything. So we'll go through yours and see if I have anything left or if we have any of the same. All right. So, Magneto, again, a great movie villain, you know, from the Marvel movies, but also from Marvel Comics. And again, um, I'll just boil it down to he feels oppressed and he has a cause. Now, mind mm-hmm. you, he's, he's not a good guy at the end of the day, but he's like, I've seen persecution. You know, he's supposed to live through Auschwitz and, and, you know, that. And he's seen, so he's been oppressed by, because he was, you know, Jewish or whatever. Now he's a mutant and he sees the oppression in the Marvel world against mutants. He's just looking out for him and his, you know, is kind of how he starts. But over time it becomes, well, the best way to secure ourselves is to take power. And then, you know, and and so in his mind, he's convinced himself he's not a bad guy. He's just looking out for him and his fellow mutants. We're being oppressed here. You people are a bunch. And actually, we're actually more powerful than you. We're the next iteration of of evolution. You know what? You need to just step aside. And it's the mutants time now. But don't worry. We'll we'll, we'll treat you okay. But, you know, yeah, I mean, so you see how he justifies this in his mind. He doesn't Mm -hmm. think he's a bad guy. Anyway. No, I think that ties in with Dr. Doom. And like you said, like Mm -hmm. this villain is not just evil for the sake of being evil. And you can see how he took a clear path from trying to do good. And you almost have like, you can have a lawful good villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So just depending on how it is and how far you take those actions. And that's the thing I thought I'd touch on is, so you can have all kinds of bad guys that your players meet. They're a one-off, kill them off. And, and, and forget about them. And that's the difference between, well, they're a bad guy and they're a villain, is I want to kind of say that if they're a villain, I mean, there's more magnitude to them. You put some work into them. And then, yeah, don't let your players one-shot them. They've got to have that cloak of the monk that they teleported the last minute or a chasm opens up between them and the players or the roof collapses, you know, whatever. And the players can get their revenge or the players are driven off, you know, by whatever force or thing to where, yeah, you can get a little more use out of them and, and, but definitely developing where hopefully the players are interested in them enough maybe to want to reoccur with them or do some research or find out about them. You might even foreshadow like the players are hearing about things and seeing things before they actually meet them, you know. But anyway. So here's a different, going off on a different tack because he's like two Marvel villains and all that. Yeah, I was wondering if you are going to pull out a DC one since I'm a Marvel guy. Oh, well, but uh, do you want to go into that or? 
if you've got one, go for it. Or, but if you got a, if if you're in your rhythm, don't jump off just for that. Well, I'm I'm going away from comics, so I'll put it that way. So that's fine. Okay, so here's one to kind of. I thought I tried to go in some different directions. Prince Humperdinck. Humperdeath. Yeah, from uh, Princess Bride. And great movie. I mean, if you don't love that movie, I don't know, man. But anyway, he's Prince Humperdinck of Florin, and he wants a war with Gilder. You know, that's so. One thing we're talking about: what's their motivations? What's their goals? You know, these are the kind of things you can look at. You know, well, okay, here's this guy, but what's his goal or her? What's their motivations? So he wants a war with Gilder. Well, so what does he do? He wants to marry Buttercup and then kill her. That, so that he looks like the good guy. Exactly. And he can go, we need to get, and he's going to frame it where it's Gilder that did it to help foment, you know, uh, people like, we don't want it. People don't want to go to war. But in this case, they'll be like, oh, we, you know, she's this beloved, our new, you know, princess. Let's go to war. So um, he's, you know, uh, so in the movie, though, if you're paying attention, initially he's just a rival for Wesley, you know, mm-hmm. um, who's like the dread pirate, Robert, or whatever. Because they meet at one point, oh, you know, he's like, what are you doing with this guy? Well, he was my one true love, and I thought he was dead, but he's back. And Prince, somebody, oh, well, you know, that's understandable. Y'all were in love with him before, but hopefully you'll keep me in mind and know that I love you. And da, 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 da. and you're thinking, oh, he's maybe not that bad a guy. He seems a little jerky, but he's a rival. And then you find out, no, actually, I mean, he wants, he's a villain. He, that's when you find he wants to kill uh, Buttercup, frame Gilder, and foment this war or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, so you see where, like, he starts out as just, oh, he's just a rival. Oop, he's exposed as an actual villain. I mean, he tortures poor Wesley to death, or mostly dead. Um, and, of course, honorable mention is Rugen, his lieutenant. And some of the great villains have really great lieutenants, mm-hmm. you know. And it's interesting note in the movie, in the end, Prince Humperdinck, you know, doesn't die. I mean, little kids like, so, you know, they killed him, right? And the grandpa goes, nah, nah. But he said, even worse, you know, he was, you know, chased off, dethroned, you know, and lost his crown and was, you know, proven to be a coward and a jerk for the rest of his life. I mean, sometimes that's worse than death. Now, Rugen, that's a great death, you know, when he's fighting the, you know, my name is Inigo Montoya, you know, and that's anyway. So, but again, it's talking about what are their goals? What are their motivations? Those are the things that make them, that flesh them out. Yeah. And one of the ways that you could use this in your game is just to kind of go off the same plot is what if your party is the ones that are being sent out by Humperdinck to mm-hmm. retrieve uh, Buttercup. Yeah. So they think she's captured by the dread pirate Roberts. We have yeah. to kill him. And mm-hmm. trust me, they're murder hobos. So yeah. they'll try and kill him. Yeah. Will they uncover the rest of it or will they kill him and just return her? Yeah. And then start a war and then they can be pawns in the war. So, I mean, yeah. it's not plagiarism if you take from multiple sources. It, it so take from lot. multiple sources. Yeah, it's great. It go a lot of different ways. Because initially when you make, you know, what Vecini, who really probably isn't a good guy, but he's got these guys working for him, you know, Vesic and, and Indigo. They're really not bad guys. This Indigo's got a sad backstory, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's, yeah, in the end, they could rise up and be heroes, which they were in the end when they joined up with Wesley. Or on the other hand, yeah, what if they had, you know, boom, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Thank you. All right. So next, this one, it's like I'm kind of like, I might be kind of repeating myself, but also I just want to point out some great villains. <laughs> Molaram. Molaram will rule the world. My favorite Valentine's Day card. There you go. <laughs> um, so he was a religious zealot of Kalima. Uh, he wants power for himself and for Kalima. He poisons people. You know, I mean, it's villainous. You know, you poison. That's a, a very dishonorable, terrible way to, 
to kill somebody. He sacrificed his own minion. Like at one point trying to dislodge Indiana Jones from the rope bridge, he pushes one of his own minions hoping it'll hit Indian. I mean, so great villain stuff. I mean, he brainwashes that child prince. He keeps child slaves in the mine looking for the, what are those called? Inkara stones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, great example of a villain. There's things you could look at about him and incorporate that to give you some ideas, you know. Which I could guess you could say that's your chaotic evil type of villain. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Doom might be a lawful evil. Yeah. And luckily in his Latvia, he's the law. Yeah. So whatever he does, it's okay. Yeah. Like I said, he's got like one of the best powers of all. He has diplomatic immunity. So, I mean, which is something you don't think about where you're like, oh, yeah. Um, and so that can really stymie your players if like if they're the real Boy Scout Captain America type and it's like, I'm taking you down, Doom. And finally, when he's got him on the ropes, he goes, I declare a diplomatic immunity. And it's like either do you go against what you stand for? Do you go, grumble, grumble. All right. We'll get you next time. You know, for Doom. example, if you're the lawful good paladin, mm-hmm. you can't just run him through. Yeah. Law of the land, you know. So these are interesting concepts. Um, but then going back to the aforementioned Beastmaster, I'm going to mention, of course, Mayax, which I played by Rip Torn. He's the high priest, high priest of R, leader of the barbaric Jun Horde. Of, so originally he's a priest of R, but he's run out by Dar's father, you know, the king. And so what does he do in his time of exile? He goes out and be, kicks ass and becomes the leader of the barbaric Jun Horde and brings them back and conquers the city and disposes the, the king that he's blinded. Um, he's a brutal tyrant. He massacres citizens, sacrificed their children to his dark god, and he brutally turns citizens into his monstrous death guards. They're like barely sentient, mindless, implacable killers. Really, I remember as a kid watching that, man, when they poured that juice into the helmet and their eyes glowed green, they started screaming and raging, and they're just, oh, man, I was like, oh, those were, you better believe I used those in my D&D game. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so Max was played really well, I thought, by Rip Torn, and it was a really interesting villain, you know. So anyway, anything you would add to that? No, not that I riff off of it? No. Yeah. I'll let that one go. Okay, fair enough. All right, now getting into more oh, contemporary, Lord Voldemort, a.k.a. Tom Riddle, leader of the Death Eaters. At one point he says, I think, to Harry, there is no good and evil, there's only power. And those too weak, uh, and those too weak to seek it. And so his thing is, he's just so you know an egomaniac, and um, you know he's the heir of Salazar Slytherin, who was descended, who was destined to open the Chamber of Secrets and purge Hogwarts of all Muggle-born students, like the ones that are half human, half wizard blood. Initially, his goals—see, we talk about goals here—were only to fulfill his role as Slytherin's heir. But over time, he had expanded his ambitions into taking over the entire wizarding world and shape it, uh, you know, into this Slytherin's supremacist views or something. And so you see how, like, start with some initial goal, but over time, you know, their goal grows and their egomania and people that are fawning over them. Um, and it, but here's the, the ironic twist of that. He himself, Tom Riddle, is muggle-born. What? Dun, dun, dun. So, I mean, it's funny, like, the very thing that he's supposed to hate and despise and want to do you know, do away with oops if you know the secret he's actually muggle born himself um and he kind of despises that part of himself that's muggle born um but yeah like Voldemort as far as characteristics as a villain he's a psychopath devoid of compassion and remorse single-minded in his pursuit of absolute power um you know and you see the thing he'll sacrifice henchmen people yeah he's he only cares about himself um you know, uh, and he's just, and also, you know, it's in the movie, he's obsessed with uh, immortality. 
through the Horcrux or whatever. Um, and uh, basically, he points that as a shameful human weakness. Again, you know, anything humanity and human. Um, so you could say, like, talking about goals, personality, fears. What does he must fear if he wants immortality? He fears death, you know. And so that's the kind of things that makes some of these villains a little more human, gives them facets, you mm -hmm. know, is what are their goals? What are their weaknesses? What are they after, you know, whatever. Anything you would say about that? Just that in D and D, I'm okay with a villain being evil just because they're evil. Sure. But if you do add in stuff like that and you give them a driving motivation, it's something more that your players can get into. Yeah, and kind of like earlier, we're talking about sometimes when you build a background for a character, it helps you to know how to play your character when posed with certain dilemma. By the same principle, you as a GM, if you've got a fleshed out villain, when the players do X, Y, or Z, then you can come from that page. Like, well, how should the villain react to this? Well, based off of his background. So that's where backgrounds and backstory kind of helps you know how to play a character. Well, let's use a GM know how to play a villain. So now this one is it's kind of weird, but it's just because I love the Terminator, you know. And okay. so, yeah, it's the Eddie's furrowing his brow. So really the villain there is not so much Terminator as Skynet. Skynet. And so Skynet's the big bad, but they're always in the background. Like you hear about Skynet, you know, they're the, it's the AI that rose up, became sentient and started the nuclear war, you know, and to eradicate humankind. And so, but how does it interact with the story, the players, you know, through its strong arm, the Terminator, you know? And so it's this implacable foe, relentless, emotionless, but more than human, you know, in certain ways to use by the AI that, you know, and so, interesting villain so they're really the villain is skynet but you're interacting with the terminator you know mm -hmm. and and so and again it's like the aspect of them is you might could have emotion through some villains or be able to placate them or stroke their ego or whatever not the terminator it's just a cool ruthless killing machine but we find in two when they went in and tinkered with tinkered with the there was basically like uh, the skynet had put a block on there like it's supposed to develop like, you know, it's in the movie. There's a, the guy's like, hey, what are you doing there, jerk? And in the, on the hood, you see his inner vision. It shows like five possible responses. responses. You're like, screw off, asshole, or whatever, you know. Anyway, well, but the same thing I read somewhere that in the fiction of Terminator that there was a certain inhibitor to let, not let them learn too much to be more human because they become so human, they might become sympathetic to human beings' plight or turn against Skynet. Mm -hmm. So that's the one that they send back in two has had that inhibitor like removed or whatever. So he's learned, he's a, you know, I'm a learning computer. You know, he's learning all the time and learn to be more human. That's kind of an interesting tidbit there. So anyway, anything you would say about that? Well, since you brought up the Terminator, uh -huh. I got to bring up the Transformers. Heck yeah. Since I just read that comic, one of the interesting concepts that you might like in that is that this is a world where the Decepticons, the evil Transformers, took over. Mm -hmm. The Autobots didn't stop them. So what was the human response? To activate Skynet. So the Terminators are actually in this world, the good guys, because oh, wow. they've been activated to stop an evil force. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the Terminator, the main Terminator in this one, gets sent back in time mm -hmm. to when the Transformers woke up so that he can kill all of them. Oh, wow. He's going to terminate the Transformers because they're the big threat to humanity in the future. Interesting. Wow. Weird, huh? That's a wild... That's so neat. it was a weird concept, but it worked. Really interesting, good blend. Yeah. And uh, I was going to talk about another type of AI in mine. I was going to talk about the Atlas, ah. which that's uh, No Man's Sky, mm -hmm. since I've been playing that. And it's like 
is an AI really evil? Because if you look at Skynet, they tried to take it offline, mm-hmm. and that's why it struck back. Self-defense. And Self-preservation. To not give out too many No Man's Sky spoilers, the Atlas is an AI, but it doesn't really... It's got a lot of power, but it doesn't know what to do with that power. It doesn't know how to fix itself and do any, I don't know, self-care, should we say. Mm-hmm. So, or one of these, uh, the typical, like, uh, cliche kind of Star Trek where it's like, it was, the villain was just some giant kid all along. He's just so powerful or so big, we didn't realize that it was a child. So it's like, are they really evil at all when you peel back the layers? Mm. Or are they just misunderstood? Yeah, the, the flames like, I'm not evil, I'm just misunderstood. So that's good stuff, man. So, of course, you, you couldn't have this list without bringing this guy out. I kind of wait a little later in the list. Darth Vader. So, guy's a psychopath. You know, he's a fallen Jedi Knight. So, we talk again about goals and things. His goals was to protect the Republic. And eventually, though, when he realized his son Luke was his son and alive, ruled the galaxy along with his son. So, initially, he was very loyal to Palpatine and, you know, his strong right arm. Um, You know, and he wanted to, like, protect, you know, the Republic. But once he realized, oh, my son's alive, then his goal shifted. It's like, well, no, I still want to preserve the Republic, but now you and I can rule at my side or whatever. And, and you know, he's like, when they meet up with Palpatine, it's like, let's put Palpatine down. And then Palpatine zaps, you know. Anyway, you've all watched the movie. You know how it plays out. But um, what makes him human, you know, he, he, he literally in the movies was going towards the dark side because to learn this secret art to preserve Padme, he wanted to keep his wife and unborn children alive. He had seen premonitions that they were going to die. So, I mean, it's like he was, so he's got that side that I want to preserve my loved ones. That was his kind of motivation originally. Um, And he tried, you know, and then of course he, you know, he betrayed Obi-Wan, but that's, you know, that whole story in the interplay there, that's fleshes him out, makes him more human. And then he, eventually in uh, books and novels and comics and stuff, one of his goals was he wanted to bring Padme back, you know, from the dead or whatever. So that's somewhat of a noble cause, a little selfish or whatever. But I mean, then like, like I said, he's a, <laughs> but he's a very powerful character. But you know, he's very calm. He's very cool. You hardly ever saw Vader. Well, I mean, there's times where he, well, now Christian Hayden's I'm giving him that look. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he did rage and he killed the whole, uh, what drives Darth Vader's power? With the hatred or whatever. Hatred and rage. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. But He's uh, controlled most yeah. of the time, but. But, oh, yeah, he has his rages, and that's supposed to be the dark side. But, I mean, he's like a brilliant uh, pilot. I mean, he built C-3PO when he was a kid. I mean, so, you know, there's all that stuff that's, he's got a great intellect. He's a great strategist, whatever. You know, great star pilot. Uh, pretty good sword fighter, but apparently, like, not as good as Obi-Wan. I have the high ground, you know. But anyway, but he was supposed to be like the the, the, the chosen the one, the chosen one, yeah. And then when he realizes, oh, my son is maybe, you know. So we'll rule the galaxy together. So I mean, you can look at him as a character again, and look, and it's you're rich for opportunities for learning about how to make a good villain. And the, I mean, what a great surprise in the second movie when you find out, you know, you know, did Obi Wan ever tell you what happened to your father? I am your father. I mean, dude, that was everybody in the theater was like, oh. You know, so if you can pull something like that off and it's not too cheesy, but, you know, still from pop culture with both hands. So hopefully all the Star Wars fans have tuned out because now I go, this is where too much backstory 
can uh, ruin your villain. Yeah. Because how cool was Darth Vader in the first three movies? Before you saw him as a little kid with a chili bowl haircut. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, backstory for your villain, but you've really got to consider how that it's going to play out in the long run. And I doubt that you would do any time hops like that in an actual adventure, but think about it where, you know, you're going to go kill Strahd, mm-hmm. but instead, you know, you jump back to his childhood and you see him growing up and getting picked on and bullied and I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, probably Darth was cooler because he, cause he's one of those like, oh man, in the early movies you were like, oh, he's so scared. Mystique. Yeah. Some mystique really helps. You don't have to spell everything out for your players for there to just be somebody that is the big badass. Yeah. Like, I don't know the guy's entire history, but mm-hmm. you know, he was a warrior trained by this other secret school but he switched sides, so he knows all their secrets and all these. And that's really all we know about him. We don't know the backstory because they didn't know anything about yeah. Darth Vader, really. Right. And it's one of those things, again, show, don't tell. It's like, don't tell your players because you're just going to bore them. And it says, you like, I put all this work in this cool villain in my cool world and all this stuff. And it's like, well, have your players learn about it organically, but just don't, you know, here here's a primer on my campaign and yeah, no one's going to read that. Sorry, but just show, don't tell throughout the game, have ways to eke it out here or throw the thread out. If the players pull the thread, great. If they don't, you know, oh or well. kind of like Venger where it's that big villain that you can't beat, but you can get away from him. Yeah. You see him coming in and kind of like raising the town, but you, you're going to rescue the mayor and mm-hmm. get him out or rescue that princess and get him out where you have to run from that big bad for a while. And then mm-hmm. finally you're like, I think we're finally tough enough that we could stand up to this guy. You've yeah. really accomplished something. Yeah at, at, yeah, at the end of the campaign. Yeah, and that's great. Because that's the thing is that the player's like, well, we, we lost. Well, no, it was a win. You you saved the princess or the mayor or whatever, and you lived until the town got away, and you were able to stymie his plans. That's a win. Well, yeah, but people are so in that hobo, murder hobo mindset, you know, we didn't get to kill him. Well, it'll taste that much sweeter when you get to eventually. And that's what I'll talk about going off on a little bit of a tangent. Years ago, I wrote, I ran the Red Hand of Doom. It was one of these big, thick super modules written for 3.5 D&D. And what was great was throughout the game, there were a number of these villains that had a really good chance to get away. Some did and some didn't. But in the very last encounter, when you go to the bad guy stronghold far in the north, it wrote in there these various rooms that were like, okay, if the black dragon ninja got away in part three, he'll be here in this room. If the one green, you know, young green dragon got away, he'll be here. So here's your chance to meet him again when you're six, seven levels higher and you get to thump them and it tastes so good because, you know, they got away last time or did something dirty or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great way to like tie things up in the end. And the players, they were like, I resent that that guy got away. Boo hoo hoo. Well, here's your shot. You get to finally thump them and it'll taste that much sweeter. You know, anyway, these lieutenants of the bad guy. All right. So talking about again, uh, like the star Wars movies. Oh my gosh. Well, Lord of the Rings. Soraman the White. Soraman of many colors. Leader of the Wizards and the White Council. So, and he was of the, the Valar, I believe. I know you're more of a, up on the lore. So, you know, he, the thing was, so he was a good guy. He was like leader of the White Council, which were all these various people that were good people that wanted to fight Sauron. And also, going back to that we talked about earlier, really, you've got Soraman, but wait, he's serving uh, uh, Sauron who's the major bad guy, but again, kind of like Skynet with Terminator, 
it's his glowing eye. It's off in the distance. It's this this force, but you don't really see them ever get to interact with Sauron unless you see in the very first five minutes of the first movie when he was personified as this big 10-foot-tall thing with this mace from hell, and they cut the ring off. But other than that, he's this nebulous force or whatever. So but, so when you have to have a villain to deal with, well, anyway, here in the flesh is Sauron. Uh, uh, so the interesting thing is if you really paid attention to Lord of the Rings, and some people have kind of made fun of uh, Tolkien or whatever because the bad guys are so bad and the good guys are so good. It's a very black and white kind of a conflict, you know. But if you look at uh, Sauron, he's kind of a gray area character because the fact that you see that he does interact with Gandalf and he's someone helpful with him and feeds him certain information. But he's really like a double agent where he's kind of with Sauron and he's, and he's playing Gandalf and eventually he plays his cards on the table. But then again, he's never truly beholden to Sauron because at one point when he's biffing on Gandalf's head, he says, listen, this is all just a ruse. I've been feeding crap to you, but I've also been feeding it to, to Sauron. It's me and you take the ring, get the other rings, whatever. Let's, it'll be you and me. We'll have all the power. You're my good ally. I respect you. father and son. Oh, wait, that was a different movie. Yeah, but the point was he, he really wasn't with Sauron, but he wasn't with the White Council anymore. He'd become egotistical and hungry for power, and he'd, and he'd turn his back on the Valar. And so basically, so here's an interesting one. Again, here's one guy that's, yeah, he's, 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 he's playing the double agent kind of thing, you know. And so he's not with the White Council anymore, the, the good faction. He's not really, at the end of the day, with Sauron, even though he did some things that benefited Sauron, but he was playing the game. He's, his cards are against his vest, you know. And so, yeah, he, he, he ultimately trusts only his own counsel and shames for his own ends. He plays, he plays both sides for his own gain. So again, here's an interesting villain in that regard that, you know, in the end he might have been redeemable or something, you know, or, or whatever, you know, because he really, or not. But this is a, another aspect to look at villains that aren't necessarily, they might play it with there with the bad guy, but they're not really. Or they might even be a trusted ally of the good guys, but at the end of the day, oops, they're really secretly working for their own schemes to be revealed like, <gasps> in that awesome climactic moment or whatever when they, you know, turn the tables on you. So there, there's that. What would would you add anything to that? Not really. Uh, the, basically, you can have a lieutenant or something like that that is traitorous to add a little flavor in because you mean you got like Starscream and Destro and GI Joe, where it's like you never really know where this character's loyalty lies. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because how cool if, when they have these number of of lieutenants, but for those who want to role play that up and try to look deeper and go, well, maybe, you know, instead of just beating the guy and killing him, wow, what if we can win him over to our side? That's a much more interesting story to me than just killing the guy outright or gal or whatever, where, you know, because I love playing a superhero campaign years ago where I create a villain that thumped Alvin and Gary's characters a couple of times, but he always seemed to get away. And at one point when Alvin's character was left to die in the desert by this villain or whatever, guess who showed up to save him? that guy and at first when he saw him come over the hill I'm describing he's like ah oh, crap his name was Tank McCluskey and he's like Tank's coming to finish me off and Tank comes up and glares at him I know the hip almost like gloating then he leans over and bam cracks the chains and he's like what and he helps rise him up and he goes I've come to rescue you and he's like what and he and so it blew his mind that this guy who had beat the crap out of him a few times had come to save him and in the end, it turns out, well, I'm not working for the evil guy I used to work for. When he's like, oh, thank goodness. Now I work for a different evil guy. But he sent me to rescue to see if we can bring you into the fold. Oh, man, that was one of those things that Alvin had talked about for years, that that was against the normal you know, paradigm or whatever. And that's the kind of, so, I mean, 
it have its effect. So anyway, um, so final one on a goof, I added this guy in, Mock Swagger. Do you get that reference? Not at all. Exactly. And 99.999% of you won't either. So I thought it was fun. But there was a movie that came out in 1983. It was an animated movie. And it was done by Canadians. So that's by part of it. It had a very limited release, but it was called Rock and Rule. All right. Yeah. And so some of you maybe will go check this out. I'm not saying it's great cinema or anything, but for its time, it was pretty cool. And I remember, how would I have ever seen it? It was on HBO at like 12 o'clock at night or whatever. But as a kid, it, it looked really cool. Well, Mock is an interesting character, again, as a villain, because in his case, he's like, like look, his name's Mock Swagger, maybe like Mick Jagger, haha. But he's this rock and roll guy who was really big and popular at one time, but he's past his prime. There's all these new musicians coming up and coming or whatever, but he's still got some money and some influence, but he's learned to resent the world of rock and roll, the world in general. He even kind of resents his own fans because he feels like he's been betrayed, like they've turned his back on him or whatever. So, so again, interesting motivation. Here's this guy that was a pop culture icon, had a fan base, blah, 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 that's kind of past his prime. So he's decided what he wants to do is open a portal to hell and unleash a demon that's going to cause hell on earth and kill a bunch of people off because he's like, screw you. I hate all y'all want this demon. But also he figures he'll get in the means he'll maintain his power. Cause hey, I'm the one that freedom. The demon will be, you know, of course, under my back and call. Right. Right. So yeah, but he's so uh, egotistical and full of his own hubris or whatever that he thinks, yeah, he can control this demon. So the thing is the characters, which almost be like the party, the good guys, there's this up and coming little band and he hears, he's looking far and wide. He's the ritual requires this one particular voice or something, this harmonious voice to do the ritual. Well, he, there, he's listening in this bar or something and he hears the band playing and he's like, ha ha. The, there's like two main, there's the main guitar singer and there's this, the female singer. I would add a whole weird twist. This whole thing is these are all uh, anthropomorphic humans. It's after some apocalypse event where human beings have died off. And then these are like the mutant people that have risen up afterwards. So there's that part too, which is kind of an interesting. You and your mutants. Mutants, you know, post-apocalypse. Anyway, so he captures her. The band tries to liberate her. It's this whole thing that goes around. But in the end, yeah, he forces her to sing. They open the portal. Hell, the demon shows up and starts whooping wholesale butt, you know. Uh, But in the end, the band reunites. They sing and they send the demon back to hell or whatever. And Mock is defeated. But going back to the villain, Mock Swagger, is it's a different interesting premise i thought that he's like this old has-been rocker who wants to open a portal to hell for revenge on the people that have turned their back on him you know so that's a, again talking about goals and motivations and all that stuff you know it's it was, it's different yeah so anyway pretty different yeah is that all off your list yes sir all right i just have a couple and i'll keep it quick no i've got to have dracula i've always got to have dracula right so just the thing on that is you kind of got your two different versions you can go with. He was just an evil guy who became an evil creature or he was a warrior of God. So he felt like he got betrayed when his wife died. If you want to go with the, what was that? Was that Francis Ford Coppola's version of yeah, it? Gary Oldman, you know? Yep. So you got some choices there about, is he evil just cause he's evil or did something turn him that way? Mm-hmm. And then you've got, let's say Thanos 
because when Matt originally said this, he was like, oh, there's some where it's like they're in the comics and they're in the movies and it's this and that. In the comics, Thanos is just evil. He loves death. He just wants everybody to die. Mm-hmm. But for the movie, they gave him a little bit better motivation that he's trying to save the universe by killing half the universe. So if you want that sort of thing, you can be evil just because you're evil. Why not? You can come up with a reason. Mm -hmm. But you can really come up with a justification for anything. Mm -hmm. How much more interesting is it? And I thought one of the his rationale through the years, comics, movies, whatever, was at one point he was trying to impress the... uh, the goddess death, basically mm-hmm. the personification of death by like, I'll kill everybody, whatever, you know, that'll make her happy. <laughs> the things we do for love. Yeah. And then just one kind of uh, weird one that's stuck out to me that you might not think of as a villain at first is little bill. Remember the, uh, now I'm going to be the one that blanks out the movie, but the Clint Eastwood unforgiven unforgiven. Yeah. With little bill, the sheriff. Yeah. He, he runs off all the bad guys. He keeps law and order. Mm-hmm. Until the real big bad comes in. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's willing to torture people to get them to talk. Mm-hmm. He's just straight up shoots people. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be found guilty. Uh, like the duck of death. Yeah. Duck guy says. Yeah. He just beats him. Just mm-hmm. He comes into town and he beats the crap out of him and sends him on his way. Yeah, Bill Brody. Yep. Little Bill Brody, I think was his name. Yeah. So that would be another example, I think, of a lawful good bad guy that you could have. You could have the paladin in town that's like that, that keeps law and order by any means. Mm-hmm. There was an episode of, of Gunsmoke where uh, the guy, I think he was like the, the right-hand man on uh, uh, Highway to Heaven or something. I can't think of his name. Mm-hmm. But he was Earl on Little, Olsen, is that it? No, that's the other guy from Little House on the Prairie. But, but He the was guy, on Highway to Heaven too. Oh, well, never mind. I don't know. But anyway, the guy with the curly black hair and the big mustache, you know, Okay, maybe that's oh. him. My bad. Anyway, that guy was on Gunsmoke, and he was a town tamer. And basically, he was uh-huh. like, people were like, oh, our town's so rowdy and rowdy and outlaws are here. And they would hire this guy to come in, and he'd run those people out. But then he was like, all right, now, you know, it's all about me. And yep. he'd start this influence of power. He'd go to his head, you know. So, yeah, he ran the bad guys out, but now he's the bad guy. And then they they're, then they were like, now what do we do, you know? Yeah, and that's a good thing that you could do with your party is help them raise somebody in power. That mm-hmm. says they're going to do all the right things, mm-hmm. and then they don't. Yeah, and it's called politicians. <laughs> exactly. I was like Fidel, but anyway, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like really, you can look at historical figures, comics, books, magazines, TV, and there's all these great examples of great villains. And not everybody that your guys fight has to be some fleshed out, detailed villain. But I think your players would really appreciate having a more, if it's a campaign that you're running, a more interesting fleshed out villain or, you know, yeah. So that's my thought on that. All right. You got any more? No, sir. Are you all out of hit points like a zero level character? I believe I am. Well, then we are out of here. Later, taters. See ya.